Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. All right, open your Bible to John chapter number four. Everybody say worship. Worship. Y'all sound great. On a scale of one to 10 today, I give you a 12. You sound phenomenal. I want you to know what we're going to talk about today is a little bit heavy. It's going to require some maturity, but I think we're ready for it. Can you say amen to that? John 4 and 23 says, the hour comes and now is when true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and truth and the father for the father seeks such to worship him. The Bible says the time is now when true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. Spirit means the Holy Spirit. It means in spiritual matters, uh, but it also means passionately. So the Holy Spirit, from a concept of spiritual matters, that, that means from a, from a spirit-filled environment, a place where the Holy Spirit is not excluded. He is looking for people who will worship and not reject the presence of Almighty God. Uh, one of the things, maybe you've been in an environment and you've sensed the Holy Spirit before. Maybe you would have said it like this, where when you worshiped or you walked in the room, like you got, you got goosebumps or chill bumps. Uh, if you've been in church for a while, you might have called them like Holy Spirit bumps or, or whatever. Uh, that, is a, that is a reaction. That is your physical body reacting to something happening. An emotion uh, can do it as well. But the Holy Spirit is a very prevalent part of our God, and he longs to be in and amongst his people. But the Bible also indicates in that word spirit the the concept of some passion. So if your passion level does not validate that you actually think of God as the most important thing in your life, then your scale is out of balance. For example, if you yell and scream about your favorite basketball team, but you never even, you know, barely even like, like show anything when it comes to worshiping God, your balance for what you actually respond to is out of whack. Because what will happen is you'll come in here and you'll... The, the, the worship team will be singing or the minister will be preaching and it'll be no response and just, you, you just be acting like dead wood and any old piece of dead wood can float down a river, but it takes a live fish to swim upstream. Come on, somebody. But what happens is you, you, you get in your life, the Bible says you know a tree by its fruit. So you don't, Cut the tree down and look in the middle of the tree to find out what kind of tree it is. You look at what's hanging off of it. So if you, if you've ever said something like this, I know I'm hard to deal with, but if people just knew my heart, they would love me. Let me just tell you something. You're still a jerk. Because nobody can see your heart. We are not going to, you know, do open heart surgery and determine that you're a good person when the only thing hanging off of your limbs is a bunch of hatred and anger and sarcasm and vileness and all this other nonsense. But then you want to hide behind this concept like you have a good heart. 
Nobody cares about how good your heart may or may not be if the fruit on your tree is poisoning everybody around you. So the fruit is what we know you by. Same thing when it comes to worship. When you worship, look, the Bible says God, do you see this scripture here? It says the father is looking for this. That means he's looking to see who is worshiping in spirit and in truth. He is pursuing us while we are in pursuit of him. So when we worship in spirit and in truth, he begins to, the Bible says, invade or inhabit or be enthroned or sit amongst the praises of his people. But first off, there needs to be some passion. Now, it doesn't have to look like everybody else. It doesn't have to look like anybody around you. But there ought to be something that validates that you actually believe what you say about God. You ought, there ought to be something that validates that you actually do believe he is smarter than you. That he is more powerful than you. Because you're, you're going to go through life and, and people, are, people are looking. But it also says God is looking. He's looking for people who worship him passionately and worship him in truth. Everybody say truth. Truth means worship him in Jesus. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Let's say that together. The way, the truth, and the life. So what he said is, he's looking for people who worship passionately uh, with regard to the Holy Spirit, but who worship in Jesus. Now, before Jesus was saying this, they could not have been in Jesus because Mary had not delivered the, uh, uh, the Son of God to planet Earth yet. So what he was saying now is, now I am here. I'm about to give my life. I'm about to raise from the dead. And you're going to have the opportunity, the Bible says, to get clothed or wrapped in or enveloped in Christ Jesus so that now you can actually go to the throne room of God. And the Bible says you don't have to walk in sheepishly based off everything thing you've done, you can walk boldly to the presence of God and make your request known unto him, not because of what you've done, but because now you are in Christ Jesus, in spirit and in truth, in Christ. When you walk into the throne room, the reason you can do that and not die is because you are enveloped in the Lord. So when you walk in, God doesn't see everything you've done. He simply sees the blood of his only son. And now you can make your request known unto him. So he's looking for people to worship, not just passionately, but also in the truth of who Jesus is. If somebody says they serve God and they say that it's the same God we serve, but they do not say that Jesus is his son, that is not our God. Our God has a son, one, the only begotten. Everybody else is adopted. You and me, the Bible says we have been grafted in. Grafted in, a, a beautiful picture of that. An arborist sometimes will try to save a tree uh, by grafting a limb into another tree. And what they will do is they will take a, a healthy tree and they will take another tree and they will cut that tree and then they will take what they want to grow on that tree and they will take it and they will put it up against that wound and they will bind it together and then the two have become one and they have been grafted in. You and me have been grafted into the family of God. We could not be born into the family of God because we all come from the seed of Adam. So we all had to be born again into the family of God. Is any of this making sense to you? 
So what happens is, is we worship in spirit and in truth. And when we worship in spirit and in truth, we end up seeing God move. But we can't worship, we've learned over the last few weeks, as if God might show up. He is not a liar. If we praise him, he will come. And when I say he will come, I mean that as literal as it could possibly be understood. The presence of almighty God will show up in the middle of our worship. He said, well, I've sang and I've never felt him. You may have never worshiped. Because music is not worship. We worship with music. But worship comes from a very special place. It comes from the heart. I can't worship him for you. You can't worship him for me. It's one of the only things that I can give him that you cannot give him for me. So literally, he's looking for people to worship in spirit and in truth, but in, in, in the context of the knowledge that he's actually going to inhabit or sit amongst the praise of his people, he's also looking for that chair. Can you see where it says he is seeking? That means he's looking for that place to reside. More than you want to sense his presence, he wants to be close to you. More than you could ever imagine. And a lot of times we don't need our fear to go away as much as we just need his presence. We have uh, some cows. We have some, some longhorn cows because, praise the Lord, this is Texas, I guess. And we should have cows. So we have cows. And uh, some of them are big. And we've got a big old bull and his horns. I mean, it's literally his horns are like 80 inches long or something. They're humongous, all right? It's this humongous bull, whatever. And when we're out in the pasture or out in a pen with these cows, and the, my kids are usually all cool. But the closer the bull gets, the closer my kids get to me. And the closer they get to me, the more confident they get. Now, the bull is still in the pasture, still just as dangerous as he ever was. But as long as they're close to their daddy, they are not scared. See, we need the presence of the Lord because the closer we can get to our God, to our Father, the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God himself, the closer we can get, the less any of the things that scare us affect us. It's not like everything has to change. He changes everything. So the scripture says spirit and in truth. But in that process, as you live your life, you're going to come up with a, a few different opportunities to worship God. You're going to worship God on the mountaintop. That's when everything's going good. Just graduated, got a job, just got married, uh, just got engaged, just got a promotion, uh, house paid off, just bought a new car. Um, whatever dog came back when you told it to, I don't know. Cat ran away. Good day. <laughs> Six people just left. They're like, get your purse, Ethel. The mountaintop, a good day. The reason it's important to worship on the mountaintop is because the mountaintop is one of the easiest places to forget that he's the one that took you there. When everything gets good, and I see it, I, I've been a Christian nearly my whole life and, and been a church, uh, a pastor now for almost, almost seven years, but you know, I watch people come and go and come and go and come and go, and a lot of times they'll come and their, their life is just in disarray. 
and they start to follow after the things of God. They start to follow after the, the word of God. They start to get committed to the house of God because, you know, the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Like the church is not a, a good idea somebody came up with one day. It's God's plan for rescue. And so a lot of times I see people get committed to the house of God, get committed to the things of God. And then uh, everything that was going wrong starts to turn around and then they end up coming up and they, they find themselves on a mountaintop and it's them whenever what got them there is easy to forget. And pride sometimes can sneak in. And you start thinking, boy, I did it, didn't I? Look what I did. Now, the challenge with that is an unjust balance is an abomination to God. And if you think you got yourself to the mountaintop, then you have to think it's your fault when everything goes bad and you will live in condemnation. So if you're going to pat yourself on the back when everything goes good, you have to flog yourself on the back when everything goes bad. None of this is the will of God. The Bible says that he has made you the head and not the tail. He has blessed you coming in and going out. So on the mountaintop encounter, when things are good, uh, 100%, we should magnify God, but it's in that time when we magnify God and we thank him for what he has done and for what he is going to do and we give him praise and we thank him for the fact that he's changing situations and we don't forget it was him that actually made the mountain we're standing on. Let's give God a hand of praise right there. Thank you for the mountain times, God. The second opportunity is in between mountain and valley. This is the process time. This is where culture wins. Everybody say culture. I'm going to start a series next week. I'm calling Touch Life. And I'm going to teach on kingdom culture. Because culture trumps almost everything. You can have the most miraculous encounter with God... But if you go back to the same culture that had you stuck in the mud, you will eventually just drift back to what you were before. Because your culture just sucks the life out of you. Your culture either gives you life or sucks life out of you. So in the, in between the, the valley and the, the mountain, that's when your culture wins. That's whenever you stay faithful. That's when you refuse to quit. That's when you refuse to back off. That's when you refuse to stop praying. Even though you cuss somebody out in traffic on the way to church, you still keep praying. Come on, somebody. I'm not raising my hand because I did it. I'm just raising my hand because God is faithful. Jake. Anyways. But at the end of it, it's in between where your culture wins, whichever way you're going. Discipline, discipline to serve God, discipline to worship God, discipline to be, to get yourself involved in a life group. He said, well, I don't have time for a life group. No, you got too much other stuff going on then because you got to change your culture. You want to see your family change, change everything. Don't change something. If you used to roll out of bed on the left side, roll out of bed on the right side and apologize to your wife for rolling over. Oops, sorry, hon, sorry. (laughs) But you got to change some stuff. In between the mountaintop and the valley is when culture wins. That's why the Bible says, he said, go into all the world, make disciples. That word disciple means disciplined one. Discipline, it, it insinuates that you do something you wouldn't naturally do. 
Because if what you were naturally doing was getting everything you wanted, you wouldn't be sitting here today. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible says, gives us an opportunity to change our entire culture. For some of you, if you were raised in church around godly people, you ought to kiss their feet and thank them for raising you in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Some of you who were not raised around godly people, you ought to kiss the face of Jesus every morning and thank him for setting your feet on a solid rock. But you got the opportunity to change your culture and begin to live contrary. Listen, all you got to do is read the news. This is not the same time frame that it used to be. Everything is different. Everything is changing and your culture will win out whatever your culture is. So if your culture is to go to the house of God and just clock in, clock out like it's some kind of a time clock and then go live like everybody else Monday through Friday, you're going to be drastically disappointed and you will eventually blame God when the truth of it is it's because you didn't live any different between the valley and the mountaintop that you did not encounter him in the process. Therefore, he got off of your radar and you end up going, where is God when the whole time he's going, I am seeking those who will worship me in spirit and in truth. You want to see your whole family change? You change. You want to see your entire life shift? Make him the focal point, the center point, the dead center, the ultimate goal. Every part of your life point to him and you will see him show up. I'm counting to 10 in my head so I calm down. But I say, I, I purposely say things at a different tempo because there are certain things you can say in church and they knee jerk responses from Christians, which is not bad. It's very good actually. But at the same time, I want you to understand, I'm not just saying it because I want everybody to shout, even though shouting is a very, very powerful thing in the body of Christ. It's a kingdom thing. That's why, that's why they get 50,000 people at midnight on a Friday night before a football game to teach them how to shout because a shout is very, very powerful. Then we come to church and everybody says, it might be quiet. Absolutely not. The walls of Jericho, they did not shout because the walls fell. The walls fell because they shouted. Some of your walls are waiting on you to open your mouth. But so many times in our life, we go through things and, 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 you know, God bless everybody that, that waves the banner of Christ, but there has to be a culture change. You are not a part of the kingdom of the world when you uh, get inside of Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean that we don't function in the world. It doesn't mean that we don't do business in the world. It doesn't mean that we don't go to school in the world. It doesn't mean that we don't educate and be educated in the world. But what it means is we are counterculture. No person drowning needs you to drown beside them to prove that you love them. They need you from the safety and rescue vessel of Christ Jesus to throw them a line and pull them in. Because if you go and roll in the same mud that they're rolling in, you're both just filthy. But if you stand out and say, there's another way, 
And I'm not it. The way, the truth, and the life is Jesus. And if you will follow him, he will give you a completely different life. But between the mountaintop and the valley, it takes a culture shift that that completely encapsulates the concept of worship. In between the bad times and the good times, we still worship. It's what we do. So you stop coming to church just to take. You come to church to give him your worship. You don't walk into a church and go, well, I wonder what song we're going to sing today. And I wonder if it's going to be too cold. And I wonder if it's going to be too hot. And I wonder if it's going to be too this. I wonder if it's going to be too that. You walk in, you say, I can't wait until I can pour my worship out on the one who changed my entire eternity. And then, then something begins to pour out of you. This is in between the mountaintop and the valley. And the third place is the valley. And this is the part that takes the most maturity. It takes the most maturity because it requires a sacrifice of praise. Everybody say sacrifice. When you offer God a sacrifice of praise, it means God is trusting you to endure something. Some of you are going through something and you're going, why me, God? And God's saying, because I trust you to go through it. But sometimes all you have is a sacrifice of praise. And a sacrifice is real interesting because we don't talk about sacrifice much in 2019, especially in relation to biblical terms, because in biblical terms, when it said sacrifice, it would be a specific reference, at least metaphorically, to the sacrifices that were made at the temple or to God. So what they would have is, depending upon the sins that you had committed or, or, or the things that you had omitted, the things that you had done, there would be a different sacrifice to atone for your sin. So for instance, if if you... You know, did one thing, you, you would sacrifice a dove. If you did another thing, you'd sacrifice a pigeon. Another thing would be this. It would be different types of sacrifice that were necessary to atone. So there were all these animals that were ready to be sacrificed. But let me just give you a clue. The animals were not looking forward to it. As a matter of fact, if, you, if it was necessary for you to sacrifice, say, a dove, you would not walk up to the bird cage where all the dove are flying around and have not one of them would come up and say, ooh, pick me, pick me. Because no animal in the history of the world has ever volunteered to be sacrificed. No turkey has ever looked forward to Thanksgiving. <laughs> A sacrifice of praise requires something to die. And when you offer up a sacrifice of praise, sometimes... You're saying, you know what? I'm about to kill all the unbelief I've got and I'm gonna believe God anyway. I'm about to take all this doubt that's been riddling me all week and trying to make me think that God's not gonna do it and I'm gonna throw it on the altar of God and I'm gonna lift up a sacrifice of praise and I'm gonna decree and I'm gonna declare and I'm gonna decree and I'm gonna declare that God is gonna make a way where there is no way. He's done it before, he'll do it again and I'm not gonna back off of it and I don't care what anybody says to me. It's a sacrifice of praise. And let me just tell you this, and I mean this like as nice as it could be worded. I don't know if I'm going to word it nice, but as nice as I could. Like stop being shocked that your flesh fights you on it. 
Of course your flesh fights, fights you on it. Your flesh is like a zombie that raises from the dead every morning to war against you. To try to stop you from magnifying God. To try to stop you from worshiping God. To remind you of everything you've done. Here's one. To remind you of what everybody's done to you. To try to make you hesitant to worship God. You can't worship God. You haven't felt God in a week. You haven't felt God in a month. You haven't felt God in six months. You can't worship God. You see, the reality is maturity doesn't require feeling him to worship him. Little babies, when they're little, they either cry or they laugh or they're quiet. That's it. And it's almost always based off what they are feeling in a given moment. But if every time something doesn't go your way and you're 30 years old and you ball up and cry, you got a problem. Because the immaturity that was allowed when a baby is a baby is not tolerated as you mature. And as you mature, what you enjoy changes. And that's a good thing. When a kid is little, a kid wants to go outside and play. It's like 98,000 degrees outside. It's not that hot, mom, I wanna go outside and play. (gasps) And you're like, I wanna sit right in front of this oscillating fan and drink lemonade. That's what I want to do. But when you're a little kid, you just want to go play. You go get in the yard. You run around, skip and jump. And you enjoy the yard. But as you get more mature, you want to see something actually take place. And that becomes your enjoyment. A kid just running and jumping is their enjoyment. But, but most of the time as we get older, running and skipping through the yard and picking up a dandelion and, and waving everywhere. That doesn't give you the same enjoyment that it used to give you. Some of you are like, well, it does me. Well, you just keep right on doing that. Praise the Lord. (laughs) I saw the most beautiful dandelion today. (laughs) Hashtag bliss. (laughs) But as you get older, you start to want to see something accomplished. So, for instance, this might not be you, but you do know somebody like this if it's not you. Some people like to mow the yard. Some people do. I talk to them all the time. Man, I love it. I got out there on my tractor. I mow that thing. Woo, it's hot, but that's all right. I'm talking to the Lord the whole time. I'm mowing. I like weed eating. I edge and make it look real nice. And then they want to go sit on the porch and just look at everything they've done. Same yard. Kid don't want to mow nothing. Kid just wants to skip in it. But if there's not somebody with some maturity that can cut the grass... The one that is still immature, not in a negative sense, they're just getting started in life, won't have a safe place to play. So we need both sides of it, but it takes the ability to lift up a sacrifice. See, it's no sacrifice for a kid to skip and jump through the grass, but it is a sacrifice for you to go out there and crank that lawnmower and push it all around the yard for two and a half hours, wash the thing off, edge the thing, make the thing look sharp, and then all of a sudden the kids are sitting there playing in it. It took a sacrifice for you to make that happen. See, it's a sacrifice of praise. What happens when we worship is this. The presence of the Lord shows up. 
Many of you are going to experience the presence of the Lord today, maybe stronger than you've ever felt in your whole life. Some of you, it's going to be very reminiscent of years ago. He's going to make himself very known to you today. So you can just go ahead and start setting your mind in that regard, that the Lord is going to make himself known today. But what happens when we worship and we offer up a sacrifice of praise is it is telling God, I value you more than I value or I give concern to my circumstances. And when you do that, he shows up because what happens is is the devil is terrified of your God. And when you praise him, whether it is in, in a, from a place of sacrifice or whether it is from a place of, of, of uh, joy from the mountaintop or whether it is from a place of discipline in between the valley and the mountaintop and it's just a normal old Tuesday, when you decide to worship and magnify God, he inhabits the praises. He shows up and when he shows up, he terrifies your adversary. The devil has nothing to say when Jesus walks in. The devil has nothing he can do to you when Jesus is close to you. When when things begin to shift and then what happens, here's what a sacrifice of praise does. It confuses your adversary. Because when he hits you with his very best shot, And instead of it causing you to run from God, it causes you to run to God. Now he doesn't know whether to hit you, whether to leave you alone, whether to stop messing with you, whether to start messing with you. He doesn't know. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're on a list. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. How many of you know Jesus and just love him? Just wave at me so I know I'm not alone. You can be on the list, the Lamb's Book of Life. It's a beautiful list, beautiful. But there are other lists. There are other, there are other uh, formulations of data that is out there. Because there is a spiritual world. There's a, there's a godly side of it and there's an ungodly side of it. And you can make another list. For instance, when the demons are having their, their morning get-together before they go out to start trying to ransack your life. Maybe one of them's walking up with a cup of coffee. I don't know. And it's like, morning, devil one. Morning, devil two. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to try to make Jake cuss somebody out. How about that? The other one says, well, that won't be too hard. (laughs) It's always 50-50, Jake. Everybody, half of them are like, ha, ha, ha. And the other half are like, poor Jake. (laughs) 50-50, bro. The other's like, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to hit one of them's money. See if I can make them doubt God. Get mad at God. Well, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go hit one of them's health. I'm going to try to make them sick. They always question God when they get sick. I'm going to go make them sick. Get them to question God. They're all just talking. And all of a sudden, one of them walks in with a black eye. So what happened to you? Oh, man, I knew I shouldn't have done it. Well, what'd you do? I started trying to mess with one of those ones from New Heights Church. 
Well, what do you mean? Well, I tried to, you know, just make a bad day for him. And I told him, I was like, look, you're never going to make it. And as soon as I said, they're never going to make it, they threw their hands up and said, my God supplies my needs according to his riches in glory. And I thought, boy, that was something I thought, well, I know maybe, maybe I'll hit their help. And so I, I tried to hit them with a stomach bug and they said, by his stripes, I am healed. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, everything began to shift. And then they went over to their phone and they turned the music on and they started singing. Nobody was even around. They started singing. And all of a sudden, you know what happens when they start singing. You know what happens when they start shouting. You know what happens when they start clapping their hands. All of a sudden, he showed up. And I mean, he came with power this time. And I tried to get out of there quick. But before I could get out of the room, he slapped me out of the room. I'm not messing with those people from New Heights anymore. Sacrifice of praise. The devil doesn't even know how to, what, what, how to even handle you anymore. He knocks on the door, you open the door, punch him in the nose, and shut the door. Because he's terrified of Jesus. Terrified. If you could get a picture of what they think when they hear his name. They're terrified of him. All of your circumstances are subordinate to the name of Jesus. And when you lift up that beautiful, holy sacrifice of praise. Many of you are there today. It's been a challenging summer. It's been a challenging time. Something should have happened and it didn't. Something shouldn't have happened and it did. And you thought all you could do today was get to church. And I commend you for making it. But you can lift up a sacrifice of praise only comes from a place of maturity almost like a little smirk like you know he might not have done it yet but he's gonna make a way I might not have seen him yet but he's gonna make a way and then when you worship let's all stand to our feet and then when you worship you stop being a little baby Everybody look your neighbor right in the face and say, don't be a baby. Now look your second choice neighbor in the face and tell them, don't be a baby. And I'm sorry for picking you second. <laughs> See, a baby just reacts to what it feels. But maturity says, I don't have to feel you to love you. I don't have to feel you to worship you. And you'll find out something. Many of you, maybe it's all you've ever done just to be able to lift your hand. And we don't just lift our hand. If you haven't heard the teachings over the last few weeks, go back and listen to them. You can find them on our Facebook. We don't just lift our hand because it's cute. Matter of fact, a lot of you don't have cute hands. I'm scared to show my hand now, Jake. I don't know, is it cute? Is it not cute? We don't just lift our hand because it's we think it's something cool. The Bible says we lift our heart with our hands. It's like we're taking our heart back to the manufacturer. 
saying, I need you to fix it again. Would you please fix my heart again? Because a sacrifice of praise says I don't have to feel you to worship you. And immaturity says when I feel you, I will worship you. So you're waiting on the goosebump. You're waiting on your favorite song. You're waiting on your favorite verse to be quoted. You're waiting on your wife to lift her hand. You're waiting on the preacher to lift his hand. You're waiting on whoever or whatever. You're waiting to feel something before you respond. When the reality is, is when you respond, he will follow. The wall did not fall and then they shouted. They shouted and then the wall fell. When you worship God, he is looking. He is looking for those who are passionately worshiping. He said, well, I don't feel him. He's still God though. No, everything's going to hell in a handbasket in my life. He's still my God though. No, I've been hit. I've been hit six different times since last Sunday. I don't know what to do. He's still my God, though. And when you give a preemptive worship, he starts pouring himself out just like he said he would. Because now you're coming from a place of maturity. I worship you because you are. I don't worship you because I feel you. Feeling is a benefit to God. But he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And sometimes the environment will shift. When just like the old man mowing the yard, he's probably not going to go skipping through the yard and chasing dandelions. But that sacrifice of preparing the room Oh, God, you've done it before. Would you do it again? God, you've made yourself known to your people before. Would you invade this place? Oh, God, would you do it again? Lord Jesus, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Would you let this new generation know you? Lord, let me live long enough to see your hand move in such a way that I've never seen it before. Let your healing power flood this place. Let people know your strength. Let the lost come to you. Let addictions be broken today. God, you're so faithful. You're the head and not, you made me the head and not the tail. You blessed me coming in. You blessed me going out. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're the Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning and end. You're the soon returning one. I thank you for it. And you're just boiling up a sacrifice of praise. So that all the children could dance. So that all the little ones can skip free from fear. Because the mature ones have gone in front, not having to feel him, but to know that when we worship him, he will invade our atmosphere. When we worship him in spirit and truth. A place that says, I've seen you move before and I know you'll do it place that says I don't know if I'll have tomorrow but I've got right now 
with everything that I've got, even though it, 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 it fails in what you deserve, Lord Jesus, I'm lifting it up to you. Don't let me shout more for a football team than I do the Savior of the world. Don't let me be so immature that I wait until I have something hit one of my five senses that you made before I give you what you deserve. Your praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now every hand lifted. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.